what do you uniquely bring to this? Because that is what is going to sell people. You are what's going to sell people. The information is great. Okay, you know what you're talking about. That's good. But we know there's a lot of people in most areas that know what they're talking about. The podcast is a unique area to use your voice to make a connection with someone else. Let them know a little bit about you. Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I have with me Robert Ingalls. I met Robert last month at PodFest Origins Conference, and he does something I've always wanted to do, which is do podcasts for law firms. So Robert, first of all, a great idea and welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. It's funny you say that's something you've always wanted to do because until the last few years, it's something I never knew that I wanted to do or even honestly, more than maybe six or seven years ago, knew even existed. So there you go. Robert, I was very intrigued to find out you're a recovering trial lawyer. So could you tell us a little bit about your academic and professional background leading up to founding Law Pods? Sure. Rein me in where you need to because I'm a bit chatty, but it was a very winding path. I, as a young man, was interested in the law. I grew up in a very small town. I really grew up outside of a very small town, and lawyers were intriguing to me. It was one of those professions that, from Willie Nelson, let them be doctors and lawyers and such. That was, when, if you were a lawyer, you were someone of note. You had made it. You were probably financially secure. That was very attractive to me. And I was just interested in the law in general. And that interest stayed for many, many years. And you know, during college, I wavered a little bit, but I was mostly on that pre-law track. So you know, went for criminal justice, went to law school after that, wanted to save the world, very idealistic, was going to be a criminal defense attorney, found out very quickly, really within the first year of being a criminal defense attorney, that I did not want to be a criminal defense attorney. For any criminal defense attorneys out there, you know what I'm talking about, but it's a very difficult profession. It's hard on you, just emotionally very difficult on you. And it wasn't something I wanted to do. And I tried out some other areas of law. I got into general civil. I really enjoy trial. It's really the only thing I miss from practicing law was trial, but I enjoyed that. I enjoyed being able to put together a case and try it in front of a jury. And that was very exciting for me, but the rest of it was really hard. Mainly dealing with the lawyers was the tough part. You know exactly what I'm talking about there. And it wasn't for me. So after about seven years, I had started to transition out. I was trying to figure out what to do. I'd gotten very into personal development during that period of time as I was trying to figure out what to do next. And part of personal development, especially in the modern day, is podcasts. Everyone who has anything to say about personal development also has a podcast. And so I started listening there. And within 30 days of listening to my first podcast, I owned the microphone I'm talking into right now and $1,000 worth of other gear. Thankfully, it worked out. I didn't have to turn around and sell it all at a discount. But that started my love of podcasting. I became a hobbyist. I started one out of my law firm at the time, had a real hard time talking about the law and ended up going to a conference podcast movement in Anaheim, met a lot of people in the game. I felt like I was with my people for really the first time. And I saw people making careers out of podcasting and that got the wheels really turning. Like, is there something here? I started looking into it and you know, to make a long story short, I saw a niche that I didn't think had been captured yet. 
I took a gamble that lawyers were coming. And I started putting it together, putting feelers out, looking in the local community for people who might be interested, found someone to take me up on it. And, you know, I won't sit here and tell the whole story, but the rest is kind of history. I was able to transition out of law completely and go into podcast production for law firms, you know, all in. So actually, you are going to tell the whole story because now we're going to move to law pods. And you told us really the market niche you saw where there was either a need or an opening. But it's one thing to see that need because I see needs all the time. It's another thing to have the guts to put your money where your mouth is and say, okay, I'm going to do this. How are you able to kind of, one, what I appreciate that you saw the door open, but the second part that I find so intriguing that many people have trouble with, including myself, is walking through that door. So how did you work up the courage to leave a profession that, as you said, can be at least financially secure and to move into something that perhaps might be less financially secure, but it interests you more? So talk us through that. Sure. It wasn't easy. I'll say that leaving law, leaving law is hard. It was very hard for me. Just the sunk cost involved in looking at what you've done, everything in your life led to this moment. The people, you know, from my mother to my wife, everyone supported you along the way, encouraged you, were there for it. And then when you go and you do it and you turn around and you say, I don't really like this. My parents are very much from the baby boomer generation. And the idea of, oh, I don't like this, that doesn't even really resonate with them. Like you do the thing that you have to do to do it. And thankfully, they know me really well and they were incredibly supportive of me doing it. But it's also a little messier than that. When I got out of law, I didn't know for a fact that this was going to be the thing. I started like four or five other businesses, had all these ideas going, and then None of them were making money, including this one. And it was just kind of chaos. And I had a baby girl at the time, too, a little infant at the time. And my wife, you know, we had some frank conversations about, look, I want you. She was supportive, but at the same time, something's got to happen. You got to figure something out here. The income is starting to dry up from the old career. We've got to figure something out. And so, what really saved me was A, focusing on one thing, deciding this is the one thing that I'm going to do. And it happened to be Law Pods. But also, I went and found a job. I went and found a full-time job at a bank. I know a lot of former lawyers end up in the banking system. And I got into the compliance department. And it was really helpful for me because it was the type of job that I, for the most part, could kind of do with my eyes closed. It wasn't stressful. It didn't take a lot out of me emotionally. So I was still able in my spare time to start building the business. And that gave me so much space to do what I needed to do without the stress the financial stress of if I make a wrong move here, the whole thing could fall apart. And that was kind of taken away from me. And because I came in initially with this like very Tony Robbins, burn the boats type of mentality, like go all in. And it wasn't a good idea for me, especially with an infant. And so having that, that full-time job that was paying me while I was also building this business was really instrumental. And to answer the question of like, how did I have the courage to walk through the door? I didn't have a choice. Really? I mean, I guess, you know, you can say, well, you did. But for me, it wasn't. I didn't like what I was doing. I knew I couldn't continue to do it. I couldn't be someone's dad and be the kind of person I wanted to be while I was still in law. And I bounced around. Like I went to litigation. Then I tried some other things. I tried to work with some comp attorneys. Then I tried estate planning. So boring for me. And so I really did give it a shot to stay in. But I did finally realize this isn't going to work for me. I'm also the kind of person that cannot have a boss. I am a terrible employee. 
And I, I've known that I've been fired a lot of times in my life. And so I knew that it had to be me doing the thing. And I always felt like that. Thankfully, I come from a line of business owners. My grandmother ran her own business. My mother ran her own business. You know, the foundation was there. I come from people who are historically bad employees. So I knew I had no choice but to do something. And it was really just figuring out what is that something going to be. And I mean, to this day, it's still very stressful to be creating a thing without a huge roadmap for you. But it's also super exciting. I'm the kind of person that just loves it. Like when I wake up in the middle of the night, this is how I know I'm in love with my business. The moment my brain switches on, I'm thinking about work and what can I optimize and move and what, what can we do for this client that would really knock their socks off. And so I'm just so in love with the whole process that that made it easier. So for those listeners who wondered how we were going to tie Robert into compliance, well, now you know. He was in compliance. So part of the story. Welcome to the Compliance Podcast Network. Let me now turn to an insight that you shared with me that really I also had several years ago. But why do you think the podcast format works so well for lawyers and law firms? Well, I'll tell you, I think for the same reason that it's just working well in general. Consumer behavior is shifting and people love, love, love the ability to get A, entertained, but B, receive information to learn in audio format. To quote Gary Vee, audio is the only format that sells you time. When you make a video, you're asking someone to stop what they're doing. When you write a blog post, you're asking someone to stop what they're doing. When you make a podcast, you're asking them to press play and keep living their life, keep walking the dog, keep running on the treadmill, whatever it is that you're doing, keep driving to work. That's a big one for people. So they can consume your content in a way that works in their life without asking them to stop anything else that they were doing. And so really started from an entertainment perspective, personal development, it got very big in that world. And now people are expecting, you know, consumers are expecting to be able to learn a little bit about you and your company in a format that works for them, because we have to bend to what the consumer wants. And when we make it really easy for people, A, to learn about who we are, but also to, you know, address their pain point, to scratch their itch. When they show up on your website, they're there for a specific reason give them something that they might want. Give them something that they can then interact with you. You know, if they're a healthcare private equity investor and they see on your sidebar, well, here's five episodes that are things that are going on right now that you probably want to know about. That's something that they want and it makes it easy. They can click a button. Now they're listening to it and they can keep going about their day, whether they happen to be at work or whatever it is that they're doing. So the rise of audio is, it's here to stay in my opinion. Obviously, I want that to be true from a business perspective. But I also went all in on this business because I very much believe that it is true and that it's, we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg right now. So, Robert, I have always written a lot. When I was with firms, I wrote client alerts, I wrote newsletters, wrote papers for publication. And <clears throat> it was easy for me to transition from that type of writing to a blog, I did to a podcast. But it always struck me that law firms have two and a half tons of materials that lend itself to the podcast format, they just call it client alerts. So what I couldn't understand was in 2010, why wasn't someone just getting on camera and giving a audio and or video recitation of a client alert? Why did it take so long for law firms to make that leap? Because they don't need the new thing. 
It's bright, it's shiny, and they have always done it a different way and they don't need it. I mean, Tom, they didn't need a website and they still don't, right? Am I right? They didn't need a social media manager and they still don't because they're law firms. They have the yellow pages, they have billboards, that's how things are done. I feel like I can say this with authority having come from the legal profession, but they catch up slowly. I think a lot of law firms really just, they're really hoping that the new thing will go away and they won't have to do the new thing, that it'll come up, it'll fizzle out and that it'll disappear and they won't have to worry about it. And even some of the biggest firms in the world still operate with that kind of same mentality, but I think they're shifting a bit. They picked up on social media a lot faster than they gave into websites and some picked up on it faster than they got into blogs and some are realizing okay, this is happening. They've seen the tipping point. They realize, they, they see other firms doing it, which is a big motivator for law firms. And they see that it's working. It's getting press coverage, first of all. But they're also seeing that clients are reacting to it. So existing clients and potential clients appreciate that that's there. They're seeing people interacting with the content. They're also seeing it as a content marketing strategy of taking this audio. It's so easy to create and takes so little time to create compared to every other type of content, you know, writing. I mean, how long does that take? I don't know about everyone else, but it takes me a lot longer to write than it takes me to do what I'm doing right now. And you take those and you can break them apart into so many things. It creates so much content. So kind of to loop back around to your original question, why are they so slow at it? They've never enjoyed having to do the new thing. They do want it to go away, but I am seeing on, From my perspective, the last two years, they've moved a lot faster than at any time before. They're seeing that it's coming. They understand that that consumer culture is shifting. The consumer behavior is shifting. And so the firms are getting that FOMO and they're starting to react a little bit faster to this maybe than they have historically to other mediums. Robert, do you see this driven internally in law firms by a a CMO, perhaps someone who's brought in to help with social media? Or is this being driven by uh, the partners or other leaders in the law firm that, hey, this is something we need to look at and or embrace? I'll say having worked with lots of firms all over mid-sized market to the AM law firms, it's all over the place. So, uh, you know, our outreach strategy has to be to the marketing department, to the CMOs, to the partners, because in some firms, the partner is the one driving the ship. They get the idea and they tell marketing, go do it. And that's effective. And so getting in the partner's ear has been very helpful for us, creating, planting that seed with them, creating the idea, and they'll take it and run with it. However, in some firms, the partners aren't trying to hear another thing. They don't need another thing to do. They're convinced it's going to take more time than they have. They don't want to do it. Then marketing in some of these firms will say, we think we need to do this. This is something. And then marketing will put the plan together. They will create the sales pitch. We'll work with them to create that sales pitch that they can then bring to the partners to try to sell them on it. So it really is all over the place. Some marketing departments don't want to do it because they're convinced it's going to be more work than they need. And they already think that they're overworked and they're like, we don't need to add another thing. I'm not going to learn how to use GarageBand. Come on. And then some really do want to embrace it. That's been a part. The thing that's really helped our company has been that everyone wants to do it. No one actually wants to do the work. You know, that's kind of our value prop is just show up and talk and we'll, we'll handle all that stuff you don't want to do. So, yeah, it, it's really all over. Some partners are really enthusiastic about it. And then some marketing departments all are as well. So let me ask about you said, actually, you talked a little bit earlier about the storytelling component of podcasts. 
How do you think that either the legal industry lends itself to storytelling or how are you able to produce a podcast with a lawyer or law firm where you help them tell a story? This is a wonderful angle because it's something I spend a lot of time thinking about. It's actually a big part of a talk I'm giving at a legal marketing association uh, conference soon is using storytelling to make your podcast more interesting. Because one of the complaints I get, people come to me at firms and they'll say, we tried this and it didn't work. We built it and no one came. And they want to know why. And a big part of it is it wasn't good. And they say, well, what wasn't good about it? And a lot of these podcasts are, some of them are just bad audio, which isn't great, but it's also dreadfully boring. It's just one person or two people or however many, and they're kind of reciting something. It's, you know, and then Chair Gensler did this, and, and we think that his enforcement is going to be like this. And that's even the most devout person who really wants to know what you're talking about is going to have trouble keeping their brain tuned into this because it's just, it's not interesting. It's very just monotone. The audio quality is not good. There's nothing that makes it interesting for the listener. And one of the easiest ways to bring people in and make them feel like part of the conversation, make it interesting, start developing a relationship is to tell stories, to be a little more informal. And I, and I tell people, treat it like the cocktail party podcast. Think about it like you are at a cocktail party and you're having a conversation about whatever it is that you're talking about with two or three people that are standing there and think about it from that perspective. Be a little more informal. You, you know, relax yourself and tell them what you would want to tell them in that kind of, in that kind of environment and pepper in some stories. Think about what do you uniquely bring to this? Because that is what is going to sell people. You are what's going to sell people. The information is great. Okay, you know what you're talking about. That's good. But we know there's a lot of people in most areas that know what they're talking about. The podcast is a unique area to use your voice to make a connection with someone else. Let them know a little bit about you. Weave in that, you know, you were playing golf at such and such place or the origin story of the law firm. There's so many different angles that you can bring in in every single podcast to help people understand who you are. Have a little banter with your co-host that people are going to get used to. They're going to get used to having Kevin and Joanna with their cute little relationship that they have. That's interesting to people, that little dynamic. And when you just start off very dry and you say, now I'm going to ask Joanna about what she thinks, and it's dreadful. It's not good. It, it, does it get content out there? It does, but it's not going to take you past what other people are doing. It's not going to rope people in. Most importantly, it's not going to encourage people to share it. It's not going to encourage someone to go, did you hear that new podcast by ABC Firm? Like they did this tax podcast and it's good. Like A, the information's good. Like I learned something that I needed to learn but it kept me engaged. And these might not be the exact words that they use, but what we're trying to do is create something that is going to, A, encourage people to come back, but really the next step, encourage them to tell other people because the kind of people that are listening to your tax and securities podcast are the kind of people that are hanging out with other people that will listen to your tax and securities podcast. So the medium has a, there's a lot of power there to reach people there needs to be a little more focused attention on making the product a little better. 
have a good microphone. Try to record in an environment where it's not really loud because these are all things that are going to help you establish that connection with the listener. Have a little bit better audio and be a little more laid back, a little more conversational. Tell stories that are going to resonate with people that are going to hook their brains and make them want to come back for more. They're going to feel like they kind of know you a little bit and it's going to rope them in. So I tell people it's virtual cup of coffee with Tom. And here's the deal. You have to tell me about yourself. And literally everyone I've ever interviewed can do that. I like your style and I like that strategy. One thing though, when you do a podcast for a customer, for a client, for a law firm, for anybody, that's only one part of the equation. And I'd like to ask you, what can you generate for a customer, client, or law firm in terms of additional either collateral or additional content marketing material beyond simply the podcast? This is probably one of our more valuable propositions for clients is not only are you going to get a world-class podcast, not only are you going to get something that sounds good, that presents your brand in a very favorable light from an audio perspective, you're also going to get so much content in so little time. We talked earlier about how long it takes to draft a blog post. You sit down with the blank page and you got to you know, spin it into 1,400 words, the editing and the, the rewriting and all of that, and then creating a video. You got to get your hair right. You got to do all of the things that you want to do. You got to do take after take after take in front of your big, sexy stack of books. And what the podcast allows you to do is to sit down for 30 minutes to have a conversation about things you're already a subject matter expert in, and then take that content. It's going to go out to podcast players everywhere. It's going to land on your podcast with a thousand word blog post that you don't have to write because it's just a summary of everything that you just said. And then you take that. The real power after that comes from your team takes it apart and turns it into quote images. They can find 10, 15 quotes from every single episode that are impactful. Those are each a piece of social media content by themselves. You can then take blurbs of that, turn it into newsletters, take the transcript, turn it into white papers, then take clips from it, audio clips, or if you're recording the video from the podcast and turn those into little 60 second, 120 second digestible bites that you can share on LinkedIn, that you can share on any other social media platform that your firm is active on. And the beauty of that is it allows people, A, to actually see the content, to see something that you made. Because when you share a link, which is what most firms end up doing, they build the podcast, they then put it on their website, hopefully, and then they share the link on LinkedIn and they go, we have a new podcast. You should listen. Two things really wrong there. A, even if I see that post, the friction involved in getting me to click a link to listen to an entire episode based on you have a new podcast, super high. Very unlikely to convert many people to see that. And then B, most people aren't even going to see the link because LinkedIn and every other social media platform suppresses links. Anything that you share that is immediately clickable to take somebody away from the platform that they're on, that they make most of their money by selling ads that people see, they're not showing that. So you're getting suppressed numbers of things that have links in them. So when you take that content and you turn it into quote images, you turn it into audiograms with quote, you know, with uh, your transcript on the bottom with subtitles or videos with subtitles. It's branded. It's the kind of content that the social media sites want to show people because it's the kind of content that people stick around and they watch or they interact with. And so people are scrolling and they see this video come up. It's got your brand on it. They see the name of the podcast, the firm, 
It's got subtitles. And then they don't have to take any action. They can just pause and they can read the subtitle. They can see the title of the audiogram or video meme and they can go, this might be for me. And they pause. They read a couple more sentences that you say and they're like, well, this is actually totally for me. And then they tap it. Now they can hear you. And they might watch that 60 second to 90 second clip, however long. And then at the end, they go, I want to know more about that. Now you have somebody who actively wants to be a part of it. You've given them a little bit. You've given them just enough. You haven't asked them to click on a link and go into a 30 minute adventure with you based on the hope that the thing you gave them might be good. The world's way too noisy to hope that people are actually going to follow that. But by giving them a little bit, giving them that quote, giving them that audiogram that they can then start to slowly interact with and slowly build some trust, then they go, oh, I do want to listen to that. And you now have taken the link itself. You've put it in the comment below the video so they can easily find it. You click that. Now they're there. They've gone to your website. Now they can get on there, get on their podcast player, listen, subscribe to your show, listen to other episodes that they might. This is how it happens every day, all the time. That's why you see so many of these videos because they work, because people interact with them, they see them, and it starts to build brand recognition as well, even when they're not clicking on them or even stopping to listen to them, they see them. So it's something that's going to get shown. So repetition of seeing your content in the marketplace is going to help with your brand recognition as well. So that is a really simple way to grow the podcast just from the audio without even thinking of bigger marketing strategies around it. That's just one simple way. So let's turn to the veiled end of the future because we're both invested in that. Where do you see podcast going? Is it more of the same? Are we going to be able to develop some new strategies? Or is, particularly with the the legal world, is the market so open that law firms and lawyers are going to move in this and we're going to have a period of concentrated growth, you hope? You know, I'll look into my crystal ball and tell you what I think is coming. But I also, you know, I've had conversations with industry professionals, so it's not all just kind of hoping. But I really do think like I said earlier, that we're at the tip of the iceberg when it comes to audio. When you see the numbers of people who are still listening to the radio and not listening to podcasts, it'll blow your mind. You're like, who are these people? Most of us. Most of the people you see every day are listening to radio and not podcasts. And so there's so much space, so much white space to capture there. And one of the ways I see the next step is when you know, think about when you go to Google and you're searching for how do I fix my sink is leaking? What do I do? And frequently a video will come up and it'll say at you know three minutes. So when you click that video, it actually starts at the three minute mark because they think that's the part that you actually need to see. So you're not even having to waste your time with the beginning and having talked to industry professionals, having talked to people on Google's podcast team. I'll say that they are notoriously cagey about everything they do. So nobody wants to come out and say, this is what we're doing. But it seems very likely that one of the areas they want to go in is very similar to video to when someone has a problem with something, they want to be able to serve that answer up in audio format. If you say we're dealing with a criminal defense attorney here and someone asked the lady in the tube, I don't want to say her name. She'll start talking to me or ask their Google Home Assistant, you know, I just got a DWI, what should I do? How much would a lawyer like to be the voice that then responds to them? And that's one of the the waves of the future I see with audio. More people are starting to use audio, use their voice to get answers with the various Home Assistants 
that they use. And those are getting more intuitive. The next wave is going to be ask that question and get an answer from a podcast, from audio. And it's going to be segmented in such a way that when somebody has a specific question about something, they're going to be able to serve up a bit of audio from a podcast that is structured properly to then answer that question. And then would you like to speak with this attorney? And now they're saying yes. And now they're being connected to you like that. And so I think that's going to be a big, big, big change in the way that people are using audio and podcasting that when that starts to happen, everyone's in. It's not going to be a, oh, this is a bright, shiny object. This is cool. And this is interesting. It's going to be a necessity because people aren't at their keyboard anymore asking. Now they are asking and they want answers and getting that answer directly from your voice. I mean, the power involved in that, I don't even know that I can fathom that yet. You know, we're already thinking about that next step. We're already kind of planning our clients transcripts around that, thinking about how they're structured, because when that happens, I think that it's going to change a lot of things around advertising and, you know, be fun to be at the front of that. So that's one of the big changes I see. Listenership is also going to continue to grow as people realize that they don't have to listen to whatever comes next. They don't have to listen to ads that they really don't want to listen to because that's the nice thing about podcasts is even if you're listening to ads, a lot of those ads are pretty highly targeted now, especially depending on how niche the show is. And so most of the ads you hear are going to be from businesses and companies you might actually be much more interested in, whereas the radio is a little bit more of a just kind of like spray it out and hope that the right person hears it. And just the ability to listen to what you want to listen to when you want to listen to it instead of just kind of hoping and, okay, well, from 11 to 12, this guy talks and I don't, I don't love him, but you know, that's what I got right now. So we're going to see that listener behavior, consumer behavior continue to shift to on-demand audio the same way it shifted away from cable, the same way that you didn't want to just turn on the television and watch 22-minute sitcom that is broken up by commercials the entire time. And just you just kind of have to watch whatever's there. And I, we're going to shift very much more to an on-demand mo model. You know, thinking the way people like Netflix. I want to sit down and I want to listen to or I want to watch whatever it is that I want to watch. So I think we've got a long way to go. So Robert, this has been a masterclass for me in a podcast. So I wanted to thank you. And I hope our listeners will also thank you for your time. But before we go, I was wondering if anyone wanted any information on any of the topics that uh, we've talked about today or take a look at LawPod. Where can they go? Yeah. So really just type in law pods anywhere or ask your personal uh, voice assistant to help you out with law pods. But L-A-W-P-O-D-S is going to get you to us, lawpods.com, at law pods on every social media platform that you can really think of. And then always feel free if you have questions to reach out to me directly, Robert at lawpods.com. I'm very accessible. So reach out with any questions. Happy to talk. And Tom, thanks so much for having me. I had a great time. Anytime I get a chance to sit and riff. You know, I'm not a trial lawyer anymore, so I don't get the opportunity to stand up and talk ad nauseum as frequently anymore as I'd like to. So I appreciate the platform. Well, I, for one, greatly look forward to continuing this conversation, Robert. If you want to stay up to date on the latest innovations in compliance and help your business run more efficiently, subscribe to this podcast and help spread the word by leaving a review. 